you all have a nice Christmas? I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of Tim's message two weeks ago when he was talking about small talk at Christmas. Before Christmas, the top of the list is, are you ready for Christmas? After Christmas, top of the list of the Christian, well, not just Christian small talk, Christmas small talk has to be, did you have a good Christmas? Or, we, you know, we, we kind of, we shorten it, don't we? We go like, did you have a good one? Or, did you have, we go even, we go even further than that, we go, did you have a good one? Or, you know, if you, if you want to be really extreme, just go, good one? Just, just don't even perform a question. And, but the question is now, on the 31st, we're looking ahead to New Year. We're, um, today we are thanking God for our past, but also saying hello and welcoming in our future. So what a great opportunity I've got right now to give a message on New Year's Eve. Um, so in terms of Christmas, um, in terms of follow-up to Christmas, what's the next thing? You've just had Christmas. What is the first thing that you will all do? I'm sure you've all done it. Um, what is the first thing that you will all do? Um, I'll give you a clue. It's right here. One of the sort of my slightly odder stage props, one of my slightly odder um, visual aids is actually a bin bag. Now, this is actually a bin. In here is actual rubbish. Um, so just check there's no bin juice on the floor. One of the first things that you would do after Christmas, I'm sure you probably will agree with me, is clean. Um, you know, I feel like the, I, would, I don't want to stereotype, but it's often the, the mothers of the, the group. So, you know, go to a party or you go to a kid's party, you go to a Christmas party, you go wherever. There's normally, before everyone's left, there's normally someone going around saying, got any empties? Can I have your rubbish? Can I have your rubbish? And that's part of the process of Christmas. We do Christmas. Um, you know, I've got a few stats for you. Did you know 227,000 miles of wrapping paper has just been thrown away this Christmas? Can you quite believe it? Some of you may have a bag like that at home that you've just dumped Christmas wrapping paper in. Did you know right about in the next couple of weeks, well, in the next week or so, six million Christmas trees will just be thrown out in the trash? Some of them recycled, some of them just chucked out, maybe burnt, whatever you do with yours. We've consumed 2 million turkeys, 74 million mince pies as a nation, and 17.2 million Brussels sprouts. Wow. Where have we put it all? What are we doing with all of the waste? Think about um, Boxing Day. Apparently this nation spent £4.3 billion in the Boxing Day sales. Ask ourselves as a nation, what are we doing with all this stuff that we've accumulate, accumulated? You've probably had presents. You've probably had numerous presents, some of which may still sit under the tree. Some of them may just sit on the shelf. Some of them may not have yet, you may not even yet have opened. But the question is, what are we doing with all of this stuff? I would suggest, I could be wrong, but a lot of you right now are in the big Christmas cleanup operation. Potentially, we're at that stage, are we? I know New Year's coming, but we're at that point where we're at the big Christmas cleanup operation. I've got a couple of pictures for you. The first one is an actual photo that I took on my phone of our new nursery. We're having a baby. Here is our beautiful nursery. So, as you can see, it's absolutely full of junk. <laughs> it is just a storeroom right now. One of my projects, one of my New Year's resolutions will be to decorate and renovate our baby's nursery ahead of April, hopefully sooner <laughs> rather than later. Um, some of your rooms, we've got another picture for you. This isn't my room. This is just, you know, a generic room. But some of your rooms 
may look a little bit like this. Some of your bedrooms, some of your lounges, you know, that might be the state of what your Christmas tree looks like right now. Whatever your appropriate situation is, maybe even right now, that's, how, that's a good description. That's a good picture to summarize your life right now. Sometimes, and maybe not now, I'm a little bit rested, but over the course of the year, sometimes my brain, sometimes my mind just looks like that. It's just this disorganized, complete diabolical mess. Sometimes things are in the wrong place. My, 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 even my spiritual life is sometimes just disorganized, and just scattered, and just no, there's just no order to it. That's part of the aftermath of Christmas. We've just done a whole, I don't know, two-month build-up. We celebrate for two or three days, and then we, we spend about two weeks trying to recover from Christmas. Now, Jesus... Um, obviously, that's who we, we celebrate Christmas, baby born in a manger. Um, we also celebrate the life of Jesus. He kind of, you know, he grew up as a son of a carpenter, was a great man, and kind of reached about, he reached the age of around about 30 and began a great ministry, healing people, preaching, declaring the word of God. Um, many of you will know towards Easter, Jesus was crucified. Now, this scripture that I'm actually going to read is actually a section of what we call Passion Week, which is that week leading up to Easter. This event that I'm about to read to you happened um, in that Passion Week. So I fast-forwarded a little bit to Easter. But there is a point, because Jesus was no stranger to a messy room. I'll prove it to you. In Mark 11, verse 15 to 17, it says this. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. <clears throat> he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Not only Jesus was no stranger to a mess of room. He was the cause of that great big mess. You imagine the situation. You've got tables. You've got animals. You've got bird poo. You've got money. You've got stuff, objects, chaos, all that kind of stuff. Jesus comes in and just destroys it. Knocks it over. Turns over the tables. Makes a big, big mess. Possibly a little bit like the scene on Christmas Day when all the kids have opened up their presents. But there is a reason. There's a purpose. Jesus just didn't like a messy room. There was a purpose to it. And it helps us to kind of unpack that last bit that Jesus said about den of rob, um, turning my house into a den of thieves comes from Isaiah. Um, it's the next scripture, Baz, Isaiah 56. And this is just kind of a, a slightly larger extract so that you can understand why Jesus did what he did. And you can understand what he, why he said what he said in this instance. It says this, I will bless or also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord. So people who aren't born as um, Jewish, Gentiles, foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them to, with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple where Jesus was, will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the key word, outcasts of Israel, says, I will bring others too, besides my people Israel. 
So if we just flash up the um, Mark 11 scripture again with some highlighted phrases to help you understand, because some of you may not know, some of you more um, educated than myself would perhaps already know this, but what was going on? Jesus wasn't just causing chaos and messing up people's situation. I've highlighted a few phrases here because one of the first things that people were doing that Jesus did not like was they were buying and selling animals for sacrifice. Now, first of all, in the law, if somebody was making a sacrifice for their sin, it should have been their own animal from their own flock. So people were coming and buying somebody else's animal to sacrifice for their own sin. So that was bad thing number one. But secondly, people were in the temple selling these animals at extortionate amounts of money. So they were basically exploiting people who had traveled from far and wide, pilgrims from all over the world, to come to the temple at, at Passover needed an animal to sacrifice. They needed an animal, a dove, a, a bird, a lamb, whatever. So they sacrificed, so they sold these items to people at extortionate prices. The second thing on there, it says the table of money changes. So people would come to the temple to pay a temple tax. They would pay in the currency, the Roman currency at the time, now, they would come from far and wide, from other nations, of other currencies. So they would need to do their exchange. So this was an exchange bureau. But again, people were being exploited because they were charging extortionate interest rates. Again, abusing people because of their circumstances. So people were coming far and wide for this occasion. And then the chairs of those selling doves. Doves were a sacrifice, were an animal that they, in the law, it stated that those who couldn't afford a lamb, those who couldn't afford the sort of slightly more glamorous animals, they could use a dove. Also, doves were used for, for women to sacrifice, you know, in terms of their sin. And also, with those with certain sort of skin diseases. So in some ways, going back to that scripture I read from Isaiah, the outcasts, the foreigners, the vulnerable in society. So people in the temple, in the church, in God's house were a, exploiting those who the church and the temple and the, and the house of God was designed to help. It was designed to help women. It was designed to help those who were sick. It was designed to help the poor. But they were exploiting people. And this infuriated Jesus as it potentially could infuriate you if you saw it in action. They were obstructing God's love. They were obstructing God's grace. They were getting in the way of God's forgiveness. They were making it hard for the outcasts and vulnerable people to get to God. And Jesus despised this. He was angry. He'd done it once before, actually, in, and it was recorded in John at the earlier days of Jesus' ministry. And he uses whips to get people out of the way. He was so anti what was going on that he would be almost aggressive towards it. Now, for the purpose of today's message, I don't want to go too deep. I know it's New Year's Eve and you're thinking, you know, about your party tonight. I don't want to go too deep. And I, I, find that, I found that Mark 11 is, is, if you want to do any homework, Mark 11 is just rich, full of stuff. If you want to get stuck into something and kind of just, just find something from God, I just believe there's something in there. But I'm not going to go too deep today. I'm actually going to um, move on from that. But thinking for a second, for the next 20 minutes, I want you to think about this temple. Now, in the Bible, it talks about you being the temple. And we often use this phrase, particularly at Christmas and the sort of high sort of fitness or diet um, 
when it's high on our dietary radar or our fitness radar, we often use this phrase, that my body is my temple. You know, as you're stuffing chocolates in your face and you're you know, throwing Ferrero rushes in the air and catching them in your mouth. You're like, my body is my temple. And you've forgotten to go for a run for seven weeks like I have. We use that phrase, my body is my temple. So that's just for the next sort of 17 minutes. Imagine this situation has just happened, but the temple isn't the temple in Israel. The temple is you. Now, this message could be potentially challenging. So I've got a few lighthearted visual aids to help you because it could be challenging. But do you feel as if maybe, just maybe, there are some tables and chairs that need turning in your life? Do you feel as if maybe there's just, just maybe some cleansing that needs to happen in your temple? Do you, would you appreciate, I don't know if you would, but remember Jesus is good and he loves you and he's for you and, he's, and he wants the best for you. How would you feel if Jesus came and just ransacked you and just reorganized and just caused chaos in your spiritual life? Now for me, I'd feel a bit uncomfortable. But sometimes it's like taking off a plaster. It hurts in the moment, but the healing process at the end is far, far outweighs the process that you've got to go through to clear your own temple. So to help you visualize yourself, I've said this, we've got, we've got that picture again, Baz, that picture of that messy room. So particularly at this end of the year, we're reflecting on what's happened and we're looking ahead to what's ahead. Maybe your life could be a little bit like this image here. So for the next 16 and a half minutes, we're going to open the door in your messy room. We're going to open the door to the loft. We're going to unlock the door under the stairs. We're going to go into the mandrel. We're going to turn the lights on in your personal finances. We're going to turn on the light in your organization, your administration, your relationships, every, you know, whatever you want to appropriate, they appropriate this to. But imagine if Jesus turned up, on a, turned up unannounced and started just to, you know, rearrange the furniture in your life. It's good. It's, don't worry. It's not scary. But maybe it is. <laughs> so we're going to do that. Potentially, we could be opening the door to your own physical health, your, your own mental health. But this is a time of the year when we start thinking about goals, ambitions, New Year's resolution. So this is my way of doing that in, I guess, I don't know if you can call it creative or what, maybe madness, but this is my way of doing it. So I've got my bag of rubbish. So if you were cleaning out a room like this, probably the first thing you would do is get a black bin bag, yeah? So in here is actual rubbish. Let's see if we can get someone just to confirm. Deb, can you confirm this is actual rubbish? Actual. So in here, there's some takeaway containers. I don't know why we've had takeaway over Christmas, but anyway, um, Pringles, all sorts. So this is an actual bag of rubbish. Are you a hoarder or are you a thrower? Some of you in the room, you know, you're going to a room and just ransacking, throw everything away. Some of you will want to keep hold of some little things that you want to keep if you are sorting out your own life. There are things that we simply need to get rid of immediately. Moldy apple cores that we found on their, on their kid's bedroom. You know, the things that just need to go straight into the rubbish bin. There are things in our own life. Sin, bad habits, um, lifestyle choices that perhaps you've made last year, but now is your time to make a resolution. I'm not going to do that this year. There are things that we need to immediately throw away. 
hidden sin, harmful thoughts about ourselves. Maybe now is the time that, you know, last year you thought bad about yourself. That's not good. Maybe now is the year that you can throw away the harmful, toxic garbage that you think about yourself. And you can just throw it away. Maybe it's things that cause you harm or ill health. I was thinking about this. We just had our bathroom done. And I, to save 100 quid or so, I was like, I don't need to skip. I'll take all the bathroom, the toilet, the bath, all that junk. I'll take it to the tip in my little Peugeot 308. I'll be fine. Now, I was fine. Um, but we loaded. It took a couple of journeys. You know, a toilet. And it was when it snowed. So everything was wet and frozen. And, you know, you got tiles. And you got toilets that are leaking all over the back. See, it was horrendous. Steph, I don't know how she survived, but she did. But anyway, I sent all that junk, basin, toilet, cistern, bathtub, to the tip. Now, that was two weeks ago. I haven't checked back with the guys that run the tip and said, you know, how's, how's that toilet doing that I, I, I dropped off with you two weeks ago? You know, when you chuck stuff out to the tip, you don't go and visit a landfill site and say, oh, I wonder how that, that little thing that I dropped off, you know, four months ago, ten years ago, I wonder how it's doing in the landfill. I wonder if it just, we revisit the rubbish that we throw in our life. But in our spiritual life, we, we, we have rubbish, we have sin, we have, we have bad thoughts, wrong thoughts. We have things that we do, and for some reason, we think it's okay to revisit and go back and sort of just play once again and just, just massage that sort of that unkind word that we had about ourselves or, or revisit in the dark the secret sin that we once have. Why do we go back to the rubbish that should be destined to be never seen again? There's a great scripture in Psalm 103, thinking about sin. Here's some encouragement for you. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Basically, there could be no further points. He has removed them far away. So why revisit them? If you made a resolution last year and you, you, feel, you feel as if you just failed, do it again. Make a decision right now, today. I'm not going to do what I did last year. I am not going to do those harmful, rubbish things. Allow Jesus to clean out, clean out the rubbish, to blot out your sin. Ask Jesus, search me, O oh God. See if there's any offensive way in me. And let Jesus clear out the rest. Okay, I need to speed up. I've only got 11 minutes. Um, once you've kind of got all the rubbish out of your dirty, messy room... I would suggest that most people in this room would probably have a place where they store broken bits. Just for argument's sake, I'm calling this section of my message the broken, sorry, the box of broken bits. We all have them, don't we? They could be in the man drawer, they could be in, a, in the airing cupboard, they could be just somewhere. The bits where you've been saving them for a rainy day. To be quite honest, they should have made it to the tip long ago. But those things you've kind of kept aside and you thought, you know what, I'll keep that for a rainy day. Day. Why do we struggle sometimes to let go? A few reasons. Sometimes we think, oh, that could be useful in the future. I'll keep it. Now, that could be true. Um, but, you know, to think about it as a lifestyle choice, it could be that credit card is damaging me. It's getting me in a lot of debt. But I'll keep it just in case I need it. Or it could be that relationship is toxic to me. But I don't want to be on my own, so I'll keep it. These things that we keep to one side, 
um, personal story, I had an overdraft after, after being a student. I couldn't get out of this overdraft. I was stuck in it. I, no matter how much I earned, no matter how much I, I spent, I couldn't get out of the overdraft. I was holding on to that overdraft thinking, well, I need it because I haven't got any money, but how am I going to get out of it? Well, I made the decision, okay, I need to change my behavior. I need to let go of the broken bits, throw those broken bits, and try something new. So I just simply took out a new bank account and then started paying off my old overdraft as a debt, and eventually I did it. I had to change my thinking because I was holding on to something that was already broken. Um, it could be you might hold on to things because of the sentimental value, and that's okay. I'm not encouraging you to throw away all your nice things from your past. But sometimes they can harm us. The pain could be less than the actual, the pain of letting go of something could be less than the pain of actually um, that you receive because you've lost something. Um, my, many people know that not long ago my dad passed away and he passed away in another country. And my mum was living there and it came to the time where she was unpacking the house, ready to get on a plane to come back to this country. So we had all of my dad's stuff. You know, what do you do? Do you pack it in a suitcase? Do you... What do you do? So, of course, there's certain sentimental items that we needed to keep because that's important. We dish them out between the family. But most of the other items we simply sent to a charity shop because, A, it was extra baggage on the plane, but, B, that's sentimental. If we were to still live with the past, if we were to still live with all of Dad's things, it could be more painful than living without. So maybe some of the things we just need to lay aside and let go because they're broken. We don't always like change. I had to sell my, no, not sell. I had to give my dummy one year, because I was a, a dummy sucker as a kid. I had to give my dummy to Santa, otherwise he wouldn't give me any presents. So sometimes we don't like change. That's the tactic my parents put in place. <laughs> Another reason we might keep things that are broken, you know, just, just in case, is because, like me, maybe you're a little bit ambitious. You think, you know, one day I'll fix that. You know, one day I'll be able to fix that. I'll get a degree in engineering. I'll be able to fix that microwave or whatever it might be. <laughs> it could be thinking again about lifestyle. It could be thinking about your personal health. You might have a certain symptom and you would be like, oh, I'll sort it out one day. I'll go to the doctor one day. It, we hold on to these things that are broken, but maybe this is the year we need to go in and get it addressed. One of the things that's been on my mind, forgive the pun, is mental health. Um, Everyone in this room at some point will have some form of mental difficulty. Not, not suggesting people are all going to be mentally ill, but we all deal with mental health at different levels. It's something that is a real issue. It could be one day you're sad, one day you're happy, but that means your mental health is fluctuating. It doesn't mean you're ill, but mental health is something that we all need to pay attention to. And we can't just leave it as a broken thing and say, I'm hurting. I'm going to leave it there. Maybe we need to address it. Maybe we need to change our method. Just on mental health, because it's something that, just a few tips. Key tip for anyone going through any, anything of any sort, mental health-wise. Just talk. Talk to someone, a friend, a family member. Talk to a professional. That's, that's how I keep my mental health as best as I can, because I keep talking. So if I ever feel down, sometimes I just download on Steph. Maybe that's all it takes. You don't need to go and see a counsellor. But maybe you've been through some trauma or you've been through some difficult times and you could go and see a counsellor. You can get Christian counsellors, go and see your GP, that kind of thing. It could be thinking about the new year. You've been stressed and your mental health has been affected by your finance. Don't just continue to live with a broken system. Find a new system. Get a new budget. 
Start working differently. Schedule your downtime, rest, eat a balanced diet, exercise. And I think church is great for your mental health. Do something for others consistently and regularly. If you do that, that will help you with your own mental health. So whizzing through, I just wanted to just pause on mental health because I think it's important. And I would say I haven't suffered with a condition. I haven't needed to go to a GP, but I've had situations in my life where my mental health has been affected. So I've needed to do some certain things to help myself, like I would eat well and exercise and do all the things, go to a doctor for my physical health. We do the same for our mental health. But anyway, I got sidetracked slightly, but I thought it was important. We're dealing with a box of broken bits in our life. We're cleaning out our room. And it says in Ephesians 4, I need to really speed up. Ephesians 4, 22 says this. Throw off your old sinful nature, the broken bits, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Perhaps just the, the, the first step is simply admitting that something's broken. And then that's the first step. Maybe that's how many of us kind of approach sin. We had to realize that we were broken. We were once lost. But now, through Jesus, we are found and we are healed. So simply, maybe today, your resolution, maybe one thing that you take from this message, just simply say, okay, there's some broken bits that I need to deal with this year. That could be all you get from the message. That could be all you get from today. But that's a good step. Admit that you have the odd thing in your life that needs change. Um, and like that scripture says, if you get rid of some of the old broken bits, that leaves room for some new, shiny, bright gifts, skills, headspace, peace in your life. All the good things that you want. All the land flowing with milk and honey. All the green pastures. The grass is always greener on the other side. Well, it is if you get rid of the junk. Okay, third one and I need to speed up, is, again, we all at home in our messy lives at times, we all have a drawer. It could be the man drawer, or just, just for the argument's sake, it's a drawer. For you, it could be a box, it could be a bag, it could be a chest, it could be a whatever of unused items, particularly at Christmas. We get these items, we get these presents. They, I'm sure some of those presents are still in their packaging. I'm sure some of those presents have yet you haven't yet un, you know, got the scissors to the, the, the plastic covering of, of whatever that might be. Because some of those items stay in the package. Hopefully you will um, eventually. I'm one of these, of my generation, I'm a strange person, I'll admit it. Um, my generation, we like smartphones, we like phones, we like a new phone. I am an odd one. Because, you know, roughly every two years you get a brand new phone if you're on a contract and kind of, a lot of people will get so excited about getting a new phone. Me... I'll get the new phone and keep it in a cupboard for two weeks and just leave it. I'm like, still, I, wanna, I still want to use my old phone. <laughs> I, still, I'm so, I can't get used to a new phone yet. I want to still get, hold on to my old phone because I'm a bit scared of my new phone. I don't know what it is about me, but Steph doesn't quite get it. But that could be a little bit like the parable of the talents. We'll flash a scripture on screen. Um, you may know the parable of the talents. A guy went off and gave... Um, Asked three people to look after his land, gave ten talents to one, five talents to another, one talent to the other. The one who had one talent says this in Matthew 25, 25. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. 
Sometimes we just hide the talents that we've been given. Sometimes we have in our, in our spiritual life, in our lives, we have things that we've not yet even opened. Gifts that God has given us that we have not yet unpackaged and realized that we even have. That possibly could be due to fear. Fear of losing something, making a mistake. I'm making a New, Year res- New Year's resolution. I'm making one this year. And that is I'm going to do things that make me scared this year. I am a little bit afraid of needles. In fact, I'm so afraid that I won't give blood. But I know that I've got the most common blood type, and I know that I'm pretty fit and healthy, and I'm at prime age. So I am a prime blood giver, but I don't do it because I'm scared. So this year, you can hold me to it, I am giving blood. So I am making a commitment to not be held back by fear. I am not making a commitment this year, this new year, to do something different. My New Year's resolution is to stop not doing things because of fear. So that's what I'm doing. Um, Fear can stop us from using our potential and the gifts that God has given us. For you, it could be, well, what book has somebody given you that you just put off from reading? Or what, you know, how how have you got on with prayer and fasting this year, this last year? Did you join that small group when you said you would join it? Have you served on that ministry team when you said you would do so? Maybe this year is the time to unpackage those unused gifts and talents. Because in Matthew 25, those that did use what they had been given, this is what it says in Matthew 25, 21, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So there's the reward of using that which you've kept in the drawer, that which you have kept hidden from sight. And then the final thing, and I'm nearly there. I'm a bit over time. I do apologize. But we're nearly there. The final thing that you would have perhaps in your messy room, in your mind, in your spiritual life is, and I haven't got a huge amount of time, but perhaps it's this, this is the deepest level. <laughs> and you're probably grateful that I haven't got time to go into this. But the deepest level is maybe what you need to do is unlock the safe of hidden treasure. There are certain things that we treasure you know, that, that, that watch that we never let out because we don't want to lose it or we don't want to damage it or we don't want anyone, anyone to see it. It says in, in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. So the question I've got for you this new year is what do you value? And those things that you value, are they rooted in things of this earth? Or are they rooted in things of heaven? Now, sometimes you might think, well, what what does it mean to have treasures in heaven? The only way I can describe it is what can you do for others? What can you give that you won't necessarily get back? It could be giving in an offering. It could be being generous to someone. It could be serving in church. It could be joining a ministry. It could be praying for someone. It could be being kind with your words and your actions. Those in the temple selling animals were storing treasure on earth for themselves. Because it only benefited them. But the good news is heavenly treasure lasts 
forever. And just to conclude, and I'm going to pray in just a second. Most of my references today have come from Mark 11. As I mentioned, it's a great chapter. Go and read it as your homework. But that same passage, that same story, that same encounter also appears in the other Gospels. And I'm going to pick out just a couple of verses from Matthew, um, Matthew's account of the same event during Passion Week, um, during the run-up to Easter. And in Matthew 21, this is what happens after I just I like Matthew because this is it kind of gives you the aftermath of what happened once Jesus has turned over the tables he's he's um, got rid of all the, those people selling um, doves and selling animals and he's kind of made a big scene this is what happens after and this is the purpose this is the reason why he did it Matthew 21:14 the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them we'll leave it there the miraculous, the serving others, the loving kindness, the, the power of God was able to, to work immediately. As soon as all the, the garbage and the self and the, the fleshiness had all been removed and all the mess and the mire and the sin and the muck, as soon as it had gone, people came to Jesus and were healed. And I'm believing that. You know, as soon as we get rid of the stuff, the baggage, the rubbish, the sin, the broken bits that don't need to be broken, they need to be thrown in a landfill site, never to be seen again. As soon as we get rid of that, we make way to the miraculous, um, the, the wonderful, the unexpected, the fruitfulness can take place. So if you're looking for a great new year, if you're looking to say hello to 2018 with enthusiasm and with passion, maybe practically simply, we do it in some ways with New Year's resolutions, but I've just kind of maybe just unpacked that a little bit deeper. Maybe you need to look at some of the rubbish you need to get rid of. Maybe you need to deal with some of those systems or those, those ways of doing things that were broken, but you've been holding on to them for some reason. Maybe it's your time to admit they're broken and try something new. This is a year for you to utilize your potential and to open up those unused, unwrapped gifts that God has given to you. And finally, this is your year to invest into the kingdom of God. Not earthly treasure. We all love a good Christmas present. We all love a good gadget at Christmas. But this is your year to invest in the kingdom of heaven where, rot, where rust and moths and thieves do not destroy.